today. The mainstream media tells you don't believe your lion eyes when it comes to the Biden crime family. A father fighting for custody of his son after his ex tries to turn the boy trans joins us to discuss his case. And Kamala Harris is challenged on her low poll numbers. You will not believe her response. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and following Hunter Biden's ex-BFF Devin Archer's closed door congressional testimony that not only confirmed then Vice President Joe Biden's presence on the phone during at least 20 business meetings between Hunter and his associates, including, by the way, the Burisma executives, and not only that selling Joe's influence was the brand, but also that Hunter commonly referred to Joe as my guy, the mainstream media, much like an ostrich, continues to bury their heads in the sand. Or maybe their heads are just permanently stuck up their asses. I'm not sure. But CNN viewers were told that Hunter was merely selling an illusion of having access to Joe Biden. Watch. Goldman sort of explaining that Archer qualified uh, the, the topics of discussion on these phone calls as niceties that Biden sometimes didn't even know who was um, in, on the other line with his son Hunter. And, you know, sources in the room telling CNN now that Archer did not point the finger directly at any sort of a connection between Joe Biden and his son's foreign business dealings and rather, you know, um, said that he was, that Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of said access. Mm. Horace? Really a stunning development, Zach, mm, when you consider stunning. that Republicans were selling this as, as a breakthrough that would link Hunter's business dealings with his father. Mm. Instead, business was apparently never discussed, according to Devin Archer. Zach Cohen, thanks so much for the reporting. Their five viewers, I'm sure, were enthralled. MSNBC was busy performing the old distract and divert tactic by bringing up Bo Biden's death. You see, it must have just been that Joe was distracted by Bo's death and he wasn't paying attention to his son's abhorrent behavior. Watch. As far as Hunter Biden goes, there's no doubt. I mean, it's pretty clear, even those close to the Biden family suggest that some of his behavior is pretty unseemly. That doesn't make it illegal. And it also means we don't know the role that then Vice President Biden may have played. And it seems like, no, they haven't proven that he had anything to do with it. They haven't proven that he profited from this mm. at all. Yeah, maybe he is guilty of turning a blind eye to some of his son's uh, behavior. And we should put this in context. This is a time when Bo Biden, the president's other son, was ill and then dying and then, mm. and then passed away. Uh, so mm. perhaps he was not as attentive to what he should have been here. But again, there has simply been no evidence, Gene Robinson, no evidence at all that he was profiting from this or he or that either of them committed a crime when it came to this. OK, uh, probably most egregious are all the lawmakers making the rounds on cable news, parroting the same talking point. There is no evidence, no evidence whatsoever of Joe's wrongdoing. Watch. And on the topic of a Biden impeachment, look, if if impeachable crimes are surfaced, if, if they are surfaced, and I say this as a Democrat, fine. They have found no evidence whatsoever uh, that there are impeachable crimes. To say this, to even utter this sentence, is either completely intellectually dishonest or bottom-of-the-barrel level stupidity. And Democrats are both of those things, so it's hard to tell, I must say. To say this would be pretending that we don't already have evidence that in 2015, three days after Burisma executives told Hunter Biden and Devin Archer they needed help fighting off corruption in the corruption investigation they faced in Ukraine. Daddy Joe flew to Ukraine. Now, he was originally supposed to unveil an extra one billion dollars in loan guarantees to help Ukraine's economy rebuild. But he just changed his mind en route to Kiev. Just like that. 
And all of a sudden, that $1 billion in aid he had promised was being used as a carrot he dangled over the country's nose to force them to fire the prosecutor who, oh, by the way, just so happened to be the the one that was investigating Burisma, which uh, Joe Biden later bragged about on camera. Remember, watch. I said, I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. But all of that timing lining up is just all a coincidence, I'm sure. And finally, the New York Times, knowing how stupid their readers are, decided to just plow through reality at 100 miles an hour with uh, this here. It has long been known that the elder Biden, Mr. Biden, at times interacted with his son's business partners. It has long been known. Really? I wonder how they square that away with Biden's denial for years that he had anything to do with Hunter's business dealings. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration. There will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business? Yes, I stand him? by that statement. So let's get this straight. According to mainstream media, Joe was bending over backwards to be an attentive dad to Hunter after Bo died, but not so attentive that he thought about the conflict of interest he'd be put in. He spoke to his son every single day, but never about business dealings. But it has long been known that Joe interacted with his son's business partners, even though he didn't know who they were because he never spoke to his son about his business dealings. Here to help me make sense of all of this. I'm a little confused, okay? We got Matt Peterson, of course, Blaze Media's new editor-in-chief and Blaze Media Blaze Media Media Critic. Blaze yeah, TV Media Critic. Blaze TV Media Media, media, media Critic. <laughs> Rob Eno. I'm all the medias. Um, so, you know what, Rob? I'm going to let you... You are the media critic. So I feel it is only right for me to let you take a stab at this first. You just watched all of these mainstream media outlets go with these crazy narratives. Like, there is absolutely no, no evidence we've seen in all of this investigation that Joe Biden has done any wrongdoing. Right. They're, they're going to be completely shocked. <laughs> but it's just it's it's insane. I think one of the it was either the media or one of those reps said that, well, you know, they, they used to just take the, the cell phone. I'm going to do it to my dad right now. I'm going to call my dad and just have him listen in right, on the right. cell phone on speakerphone while while we would discuss business. Right. I mean, like because that's a normal right. everyday thing. Sons routinely call their parents on their cell phone, put it on the table and just have them listen in on the business meeting. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not an awkward thing. The, the media is doing what they always do, but they need to slowly. Now, now you're getting the New York Times to say, well, it's been long known. Yeah, right? it's been long known. That's them continuing to walk it back. I saw um, I think it was in Real Clear Politics yesterday. I forget who wrote it, but somebody said this scandal might be too big to actually have traction because it involves so yep. many People. Yep. It yep. involves the media being complicit for four years. Mm -hmm. It involves the Democrats being complicit. I, I laughed when the congressman said, well, you know, if something rises to an impeachable offense, you impeached yeah. Donald Trump for threatening to withhold exactly. 
yeah. money from the Ukraine for not looking into corruption, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is the corruption of, of Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Yeah, uh, that he that we now know the timeline happened. Right. You 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 did. Are you just saying that that you're, you're now saying that that wasn't an impeachable offense and you were just doing it for politics, which is fine. I mean, impe impeachment is now a political mm -hmm. thing. It's right. not something that's reserved for right. actual crimes and misdemeanors. We, we know that from the Nancy Pelosi impeachments. But it's just it, this is what they need to do. It's going to come to a point where there is going to be a case. It's going to be shown and something's going to end up happening. And I can see the Democrats doing it because they don't want Joe Biden to be their nominee. I was struck by those 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 clips of Joe Biden you showed. Mm -hmm. We thought that he was, you know, showing some signs of dementia then. But how with it he looked yeah. in those clips to how he looks today, yeah. it's stark yeah. to see the difference that four years has in his mental acuity. Yeah, um, Matt, I just, it's just so frustrating to hear them constantly carry water for this family. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I hear the reporting on it, and I honestly do think the majority of Americans, as, as Rob pointed out, there's so many moving parts to this. I mean, mm -hmm. Glenn here, what, 2019, uh, did like four different chalkboard episodes that were several hours long each on all of the corruption. And so I get very worried and concerned that this is going to just kind of go under the radar and we're never going to make sense of it because, I mean, as one of the Biden associates pointed out, it'll take them 10 years before they ever connect the dots because they use so many shell companies mm -hmm. and they were funneling the money into all of these different bank accounts from the shell companies that the shell companies didn't receive money until their attorney received money and their attorney funneled it to them. And so it's just like, how do you how do you ever get accountability for all of these crimes that to me, it seems clear were committed? Well, let's start with Hunter, um, because I think Hunter is an interesting character in that um, we live in a corrupt society, we live in a corrupt time, and Washington, D.C. is full of corruption uh, on all sides, and people are starting to wake up to that reality. But to really internalize that, you need to think about Hunter Biden, because Hunter is someone who's interesting. He's not just a white-collar criminal. He also likes to do crack cocaine, right? <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. That right? is interesting. He's got the hookers and the crack. It's not enough just to get a few million dollars here and there, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that makes him interesting. And also sort of a distraction from the deeper corruption because we have this sexy laptop and these, ooh, look at these pictures. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, of course, he's never going to get in trouble for any of those crimes. Right. Uh, but the deeper problem, and that's why he was a great distraction, the deeper problem all along has been that his family is corrupt is bilking uh, everyone here for millions and millions of dollars using their influence and leverage with foreign agents and actors over and over again. This is something that everyone knows is going on. And, and so here's the question. The great question is, is it the case, as Rob suggests, that possibly they do want to get rid of Biden because he is so doddering and weak. The, the, the ruler of the free man, world is someone who is wandering in and out of rooms in the White House. Um, they have no shame about this, but, but maybe they do want to get rid of him. In that case, all of a sudden, all those clips you just saw, all those journalists are going to very quickly go, oh, um, actually, um, there was some issue here and Biden has stepped down and very good of him to do that. It, you know, he yep. got entrapped into something or whatever. And they'll immediately change tune and move on. Or are we so corrupt now 
that it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That half the country will say, or the journalists will even get to the point where they say, of course they made a few million dollars. That's what you do. And it was good, actually. I mean, yeah. are we going to get to that point? Or are we going to get to the point where they just keep denying it? You know it's happening. It happens right in front of your face. And it just doesn't matter because, let's face it, we're in a world in which people aren't arguing to run for office based on their qualifications, their charisma, or anything else. The Fetterman principle applies. You just need someone who's be able to press the button and you tell them what button to press. Mm -hmm. Is that how bad things are in America? That's what we're about to find out. Yeah, I think that it's, um, I hope Republicans in Congress know what time it is because, you know, I think that they're very, they have some reservations about going full on impeachment mode because they have, they just spent the last four years seeing what they did to Donald Trump, how they politically persecuted him, how they used it as a political pawn. The problem is that like there is actual evidence this time. And although, you know, you want to talk about illusion, I think that they're worried about creating the illusion that, you know, we're, that we're engaging in political games too and we can't stoop to that level. It's time to wake up. You're trying to fight with another party, an opposing team that doesn't play by the same rules that you feel like playing by. And it really doesn't matter what they say because they were going to call you all of those things anyway. That's my personal opinion. Like they're going to they're going to call you they're going to call you corrupt. They're going to say you're abusing your power. They're going to say all the things that they were actually doing the whole time when they yeah. did this to Donald Trump. Yeah. They're going to say all those things about you anyway. So yes. just do the right thing. That's right. It's not this isn't about persuading the other side. Right. This is right. about full-scale political war. Yes. Uh, and wrestling directly with that other side to see if you can actually hold them accountable. Yeah. Rob last word. Yeah, and I think that that's why people that's what Ron DeSantis does that nobody else seems to do in our party is he uses his political power and uses it to get things done. And for whatever reason, we the, the Republican Party doesn't like to do that. They like to be above the fray. Yeah. And that's not how you change the country. Yeah, we're morally superior. Oh, well, look where we're at in society. Uh, that's how, where did that all, all that moral superiority get you? Uh, all right, we got to take another quick break. We'll be back, but we want to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So um, Birch Gold, I highly suggest that you guys just... Talk to them, check them out, um, see if gold is right for you. It was right for my family, which we just heavily diversified even more into gold and silver because we're looking at the Biden economy and um, these are not great, guys. And so uh, if you were looking to maybe protect your IRA or your 401k uh, from the fallout of the Biden economy, might I suggest you talk to them about diversifying with gold into Birch Gold. Um, they can help get you a tax-sheltered uh, IRA account in precious metals or if you want to own physical gold, you can also do that with them as well. So do yourself a favor. Go text the word Y, W-H-Y, to 989898. What they're going to do is send you a free information kit. It's no obligation. It's just a free info kit on gold and on holding gold in these tax-sheltered retirement accounts. See if it's right for you. Text the word Y to 989898. Francisco father Harrison Tinsley is engaged in a quite a challenging custody battle with his ex-girlfriend for his three-year-old son Sawyer, whose mother identifies as non-binary. And shockingly, I'm sure you guys will find this so shocking, she also is raising the child as non-binary as well, but it's not taught. Okay, they're not indoctrinated into it. It's clearly they're born this way. I want to welcome Harrison Tinsley to the program. Harrison, thank you for uh, for being here. So I have all of these details of your case right here. 
But I would much prefer to just let you tell your story of how this all came to be and where you're at now. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And about four years ago, I, was, I started dating a girl in the Bay Area. We fell in love. We never agreed politically. I always thought that'd be okay. Mm -hmm. And essentially, she got pregnant very quickly into the relationship. Thankfully, we were both happy about that and excited. Mm -hmm. And she always suffered from some mental health problems. And as her pregnancy went on a few months, she was being very hostile towards me, constantly threatening me that I wouldn't see my son if I wasn't exactly who she wanted me to be, particularly politically. And it ends up happening that she breaks up with me, sends me a cease and desist letter, and I don't find out when my son's born. I find out about a week after from one of her friends, mm. social media. Mm. And it was two months after that I filed in court, and it took 13 more months to meet my son. So I met him finally when he was 15 months old, which I thought was a travesty. Mm. I thought that was far too long. And from there I pressed on. I moved to the Bay Area. I was awarded half custody, super grateful for that. And it was right around the time I won half custody that his mom started treating him as non-binary and doing some serious defamation of me. There was also an incident where she was arrested for a child endangerment placed on 5150 hold when my son was with her. Uh, she was let off on those charges, but I thought, you know, I brought all of this stuff to family court and I got granted a trial, which I'm super lucky because a lot of people just get a hearing, like a mm -hmm. short 20 minute thing. Mm -hmm. and their whole life's decided, but I had a five day trial. I was extremely confident about it, loads of evidence. But after the trial, the court decided to keep custody the same. And that was kind of devastating. And I decided that I'm going to protect my son no matter what. So I'm going to tell my story to the world. I'm going to be brave mm -hmm. and I'm going to appeal the decision. So I'm appealing it right now. So you say that um, she's using what they, them pronouns for him. Yeah. He, she's dressing him in feminine clothing. She's putting him in makeup sometimes, even though, again, he's three, so. Yeah, like usually he's in boy clothing, but even if she's talking to me and I'm like picking him up, uh -huh. she'll literally call him they. It's super weird. That is very weird. Um, but you say that he rebels against this and he says that he's a boy as well. He adamantly says he's a boy with courage and conviction, confidence. He loves being a little boy. He's like as boyish as it gets. He's probably the most boyish of all of his friends even. And I think it's really sad that you wouldn't want, you know, the person you love most to be happy with who they are. Mm -hmm. um, so she actually, your ex-girlfriend, and again, you were never married. Correct. As a girlfriend. Um, so she actually was adopted and raised by two older gay men. In San Francisco. In San Francisco. And now she is perpetuating this on her children, on her child. But they want us to believe that this is not, uh, children are not indoctrinated into this. This is not taught to them. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's super interesting because the premise is this, right? The premise is they should let the child choose for themselves, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Which is insane and there's only boys and girls. Right. But anyways, let's just pretend that we agree with that. Let's grant the premise. So. He can choose for himself. Well, he's choosing. He adamantly says he's a boy. If you give him a girly toy or say something he conceives as calling him a girl, he literally yells and screams at you. He'll yell and scream at his cousins, whoever. If they give him a girly toy and say, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. He gets really, really upset. You know, and he expresses to me things like when she took him to Disneyland, he says that she wouldn't let him go on the rides unless he wore princess shoes. And he tells that to me. And, you know, he looks down when he tells me. Like, he's clearly really sad about it and not happy about it. 
So I'm going to try to get through this without getting emotional because I really feel for you. But um, in reading all of this, um, you mentioned when she was the mother was placed on a 5150 hold. Um, Sawyer was placed with her dad's when that happened rather than you. How come? That's correct. I, I can't speculate to why the police and CPS made the decisions they did, but I thought it was kind of a crazy idea not to, you know, call me that night for sure. I, I would, when my assumption is because of all of the defamation of me that happened that night to the police officers, perhaps. When did you find out that your son was placed in the care of someone other than his mother and his mother was at the hospital? Um, oh, I didn't find that out for a long time. So CPS did call me the next week because there's a CPS investigation. But CPS assured me that there was nothing to worry about. It, there was a misunderstanding, and my son fell off a bed. They told me that. I asked lots of questions. They absolutely assured me that that was the case. Later, when I was finally granted access to his medical records that I, I should have had, it took like nine months longer than it was supposed to, but I got them. I was just randomly reading through them. And I see you know, mom placed on 5150, child seen for head trauma, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what in the world? And then so, you know, me and my attorney subpoena all the police report, police body cam footage, and the 911 call, the, get the full medical record, et cetera, find out what really happened. It's a lot scarier than that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was part of the main part of my reason for bringing it to court for a trial. Um, Matt, I want to let you weigh in because you, of course, are a California refugee, and I, I just, how much faith do you have in the system over in California at sorting something like this out? Well, I mean, obviously very little, um, but uh, it's, this is so important. It's so important that you have, uh, you know, you're on the show, I mean, because people need to understand that um, there's other people who feel the same way and oppose this, even in California. So as bad as things are and as bad as the system is, the fact that you're standing up and there's so many other people out there who feel the same way and are going through the same thing, they need to see that uh, because they don't, they don't own the whole state. I mean, this, this kind of tyranny, this kind of cra this crazy ideology, they certainly control the state, right? But, but they don't own the hearts and minds of millions of people who care deeply about their children. Um, so. I mean, the, the problem is, I wonder what uh, Erson thinks, um, but the, the problem is that California uh, does tilt the balance mm -hmm. uh, against the rights of parents, and they do so proudly, uh, and it's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, so, Harrison, tell us, like, what, how, can, how can we help? What, what can we do? I mean, we're bringing awareness to it, but I, you have a, a give, send, go as well. I can imagine uh, that this fight is not cheap. No, lawyers are very expensive. Yeah. Um, I have a give, send, go, give, send, go, saving Sawyer. It'll come right up. Okay. Um, if anyone wants to help, you can send me messages, prayers. I really appreciate every bit of support. And I can tell you to, to what Matt was saying, all the people I've seen in California, all the parents I know, I went to the Capitol to protest some of the, protest some of these anti-parent bills like AB 957. I watched hundreds of people, many of whom would go up, crazy hair, I'm a leftist progressive Democrat from San Francisco, and I adamantly oppose this bill, one after another. Right or left, didn't matter. Everyone's against it. No one believes these ideas. We just have to have the courage to stand up for what we believe and just not let the government raise our children, not let the government abuse us anymore. And I want to make a, a quick addition here just so the viewers know uh, which bill it is that you're talking about. AB 957 is the bill that 
um, would take children away from one or both parents if one of them did not agree to the gender identity that was brought up in custody battles, which is, it is so shocking to me that we are even at this place in this country, that that would be even proposed. Mm. Even even in a place like commie, crazy California. No offense, sorry, Harrison. It's all good. But, but that, the bill might actually help me because I'm affirming that he's a boy and he says he's a boy. So I actually mm. spoke to the author of this bill, mm -hmm. James Wilson, I spoke to her for seven or eight minutes. She was convinced that this bill would award me custody. Interesting. Which is interesting, but, yeah. but I still think it would hurt thousands of families, so I'm against it. Right, mm -hmm. right. Uh, well, Harrison, thank you for fighting this fight. I'm just so sorry for what's happening to you, and I wouldn't wish it on any parent, um, especially a father, because I know in courts, fathers are often overlooked and seen as second-class citizens. Um, so I appreciate you so much fighting this fight, um, and I would encourage all of the viewers, go to the Give, Send, Go. It's Give, Send, Go slash Saving Sawyer, and uh, donate however much you can to help Harrison uh, pursue knowing what is right for his son. Harrison, thank you so much. Will you keep us keep us up to date on what's going on? When, when is the next trial, anything going on in court? It's happening soon, the appeal, the intro brief. It's okay. a complex system that I've never done before, but okay. it, it's happening pretty soon. It's I'll, happening soon. I'll keep you updated. And everyone at home, you need to speak up, have the courage to say what you believe in all aspects of your life. You're not free if you have a different life when you're at home and when you're at work. You should all be able to say what you truly believe. Mm -hmm. And if you have kids, I think, Harrison, you'll agree with me here. If you have kids, um, you want to know that you can look your children in the eye when they get older and tell them, I did every single thing that I could to make this better for you. So. Every single thing I can do for Sawyer. Yeah. Thank you so much, Harrison. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Governor DeSantis in Florida has invited Kamala Harris uh, to Florida to discuss his African-American studies curriculum after there have been quite the attacks happening from all different sides, by the way, and maybe we should get into that. But I want to um, I want to I want to play what Kamala Harris said about Ron DeSantis uh, and about this new curriculum in Florida that this was this was the whole big issue that the left pounced on, I'll use their framing. <laughs> Democrats pounced on this. It says, instruction includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Absolutely true statement. Well, Kamala Harris took a quite, 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 he, she had quite a problem with that. Here is Kamala talking about it, watch. We fought a war to end the sin of slavery. A civil war. She's People so died. Oh my, did they in the civil war? I didn't By know the that. untold numbers. What? In that war. She's thinking of what she's gonna say next. Many of whom fought and died you because of their belief that slavery was a sin against man that it was inhumane, one that like it was clap. not reflective <laughs> of who we believe ourselves to be as a country, and certainly not reflective of who we aspire to be. So who then mm. would dare deny uh, this history? It burns. Let us not yes. let 
these politicians who are trying to divide our country win. Mm. Because you see, what they are doing, what they are doing is they are creating these unnecessary debates. Oh. This is unnecessary to debate whether Mm. enslaved people benefited from slavery. Are you kidding me? Are we supposed to debate that? Not what it said. There's like two people clapping still. That's not what it said. And by the way, uh, another talking point that was used by Republicans, mind you, was that DeSantis' curriculum said that it was a net benefit, which again, it didn't say. It just said uh, that they were taught skills that later on in life Mm -hmm. they were able to use for benefit. This is not, that's a very common sense thing. Um, And so DeSantis has now invited Kamala to the uh, to the Capitol in Florida. He said, in Florida, we are unafraid to have an open and honest dialogue about the issues. And you clearly have no trouble ducking down to Florida on short notice. So given your grave concern, which I must assume is sincere about what you think our standards say, I'm officially inviting you back down to Florida to discuss our African-American history standards. We will be happy to host you here in Tallahassee. I will ask Dr. William Allen, instrumental in the development of our impressive new standards, to join. We welcome you, of course, to bring Randy Weingarten or someone else who shares your view about the standards. By the way, the curriculum writer, Dr. Allen, is black. So I would welcome this conversation to take place. Somehow, I think Kamala will be like, I did this letter got lost in the mail. I never got it. Oops, I can't make it. This is one of the most disgusting debates, quote unquote. Um, Speaking of creating debates, we don't need to create debates. So let's go to established standards that come from real scholars like Dr. Bill Allen. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Allen is a fellow Claremont uh, PhD, so I have to uh, praise him. But not just because they pay me to do it, it's because... (laughs) He is one of the preeminent uh, scholars of the founding and American principles out there. And I would love to see him bait, debate Harris because, you know, Harris clearly has three brain cells that are fighting each other. And, <laughs> and this guy is a, just a real deal scholar. And what people don't understand, I mean, the ridiculous nature of this whole thing is that the standards exist to get you to the point where you can understand what different African-American intellectuals were arguing about after the Civil War. There were, there were arguments about what these ex-slaves should do. And the abolitionist, you know, Northern Christian uh, human beings are fundamentally equal side pointed out that many of these people had become skilled at various things because they were human beings and they could put those skills to use in a free way. Some of them uh, even purchased their own freedom in some of these wild stories, harrowing stories of the time. Um, So the idea that any of this has to do with saying slavery was okay or whatever, I mean, it's all just nuts. It's so nuts, in fact, um, that I think I think a lot of Republicans have sort of shamed themselves in this debate by taking the left side, and it's pissed a lot of people off. I mean, wherever you come down on Trump versus DeSantis, uh, the problem is if, if, if people on the right are going to go with Harris on this ridiculous gibberish, uh, you know, that's just a low blow. We don't, we don't need that. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm looking forward to Harris' debate, uh, Dr. Allen. I think that would be incredible, incredible content. <laughs> I mean, I'm here, I'm here for it. I am too, Rob. But, but the NAACP. 
CCP said that if you're African American, then go to Florida, that your life's in danger. So maybe the Secret that's Service won't point. let her go. That's so that's true. Out. That's a great point. It's know. interesting. I was just in Florida for an event with Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. I think he's black. He seems safe. Wow. Did he seems safe. It's amazing. He risked his life for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Someone should warn him. Yes. Someone should. This is just black people and gay people. <laughs> Very much in danger in Florida. I was on vacation when all this blew up. Um, so thank you for the, the, the <laughs> 50,000 foot view because I too thought that, oh my God, Ron DeSantis is, you know, a racist and <laughs> is trying to say that slavery was the best thing ever because people learned how to cobble a shoe. Right. Um, which is, I think, what they're going with, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we, we don't teach the truth about slavery in the yeah. United States. We don't teach the truth of how it started, how it stopped being indentured servitude and became slavery because an African-American mm -hmm. um, indentured servant owner filed you know, a lawsuit in the Virginia courts to make mm -hmm. that happen. I mean, that's something that doesn't often get taught. When somebody told me that, I was shocked and I was mm -hmm. like 40 when I found that out because it wasn't taught in our schools. So having real discussions about what happened and what happened at the time and taking into account that abolitionists that obviously didn't like slavery mm -hmm. said that, well, we can put these people to work because they learned valuable trades and that's the part of the curriculum that I think that they're talking about. It was and they take it out of, out of it, context yes. and just talk about that part. The, the crazy thing is it's talking about the self-ownership that these people had. It's acknowledging, no, it, it, these were human beings so they learned how to do different things while they were in these terrible conditions and that enabled many people to seamlessly come out of it and build businesses, etc. Because and of so, their perseverance. Yes, right. and so the whole idea that any of this is about slavery being good is just, you know, bat guano crazy stuff. It doesn't make any sense and, and what does make sense is teaching the truth as Rob's saying about uh, you know about what happened mm -hmm. and it goes right in the curriculum I've looked at these standards it goes right into a discussion about how um, African Americans should respond you know post slavery that intellectuals many of whom were African American you know got into like this isn't some out of context thing that where they just kind of drop in out of the blue and say slavery was good actually right. but you know what all of this is ridiculous because we know it's all just a ceaseless frame and a ceaseless drumbeat where you are all racist because you disagree with me. Everyone I don't like is Hitler. And of course, Ron DeSantis thinks slavery is good. I mean, yeah, great. We get it. We get it. And so, so I, I think it's ridiculous, but the, we should make sure that everyone on the right doesn't disagree, Trump, DeSantis, whatever. But let's not have everyone on the right grabbing on to any of this nonsense. Right, right. It, it is a strange place to be where you're not allowed to say that black people persevered in spite of slavery mm -hmm. and made something out of themselves uh, afterwards because they were, you know, the, as you mentioned, human beings, but also strong um, and capable, mm -hmm. clearly. But we're also at a place where, like, we can't recognize the woman who, you know, Aunt Jemima has to be erased. And we can't recognize the woman who built everything up, you know, built up her empire the way that she did. And we can't recognize all of these African-American pioneers. We have to be like, oh, we can't put them on a syrup bottle. We have to completely erase them. It's just so weird to me. The, the whole 1619 project was, well, do you understand that, uh, you know, all these African-Americans who were slaves built America? Right. And the standards are like, a lot of these people learned a lot of skills <laughs> and things that in those terrible conditions yes. they were able to use later on. Yeah. Um, and it's acknowledging yes. that contribution, yeah. right? That these yeah. are people who would like, yeah, they built stuff. They right. weren't just 
I don't know what people think. They were human beings. And then you acknowledge, you're a racist. How yeah. dare you say that? Yeah. You think slavery is good. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's you're nuts. This entire debate is nuts. Yes. And we need to just reject. The problem is that right now in Washington, D.C., there are still people who are like, oh, my gosh, that sounds racist, right? And there are Republicans coming out and saying, Ron DeSantis is a racist. This makes me very uncomfortable, this thing that people made up from these real standards. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, is what needs to end. Yeah. The reason that they're saying this is because it does work with a certain sector of the right mm. right people in charge are like oh the worst thing in the world is if the people in charge of the country call me a racist so I, I have to stop this is bad yes this is racist Ron DeSantis is Ron DeSantis is a Nazi <laughs> I, 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 reject the whole thing people reject all of it yeah. Rob, last word. Yeah, it, it's and, and it goes to the point that people want to look at history through a modern lens. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. that based mm -hmm. on our supposed right. standards of today, you see that a lot in popular history and people yeah. writing stuff. And yeah. you just you going back, and it was African American abolitionists that they're writing about in these. Mm -hmm. if, if I understand you correctly, that they're yep. writing about in these actual yeah. standards. Yeah. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. As of the time of this taping, remember there's like a little bit of, uh, of time in between the time we finish this and the time it airs, we are being told that the uh, grand jury investigating J6 uh, has convened and that there should be an announcement from uh, the DOJ. We expect it to be Trump's third indictment officially announced. Remember, his attorneys met with Jack Smith's office mm -hmm. uh, previously. What was at the end of last week, the beginning of this week? And they expect it. So no surprise there. Um, but still equally as infuriating, I'll just say. Quick thoughts on that, guys. I mean, this is the case that they especially want to make out of all the indictments and all the ways in which they're trying to get Trump. Mm -hmm. They're not going to stop until they martyr him in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to stop until they uh, they put him in jail, right? I mean, that's yeah. their that's their attitude. And so for all of them, this is the sexy one because in their diseased minds, they're, they're, this is saying he was seditious. He was a traitor against America itself and our sacred democracy. So I think this is the one that they're going to go with. Yeah. Rob, that is the biggest crime, being against our blessed democracy. And of course, they're going to do it. So. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll have more on all of that tomorrow. But again, it's no big shock. We know they're not going to rest until they imprison him, preferably uh, for them, for life, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, Republicans are very ner they're very nervous to vote on impeachment. They're just, they're just really nervous. I mean, they're just trying to, uh, you know, politically persecute their enemy and throw him in jail for the rest of his life. But we just don't want to vote on impeachment. We're too scared. We don't know. Um, all right. I want to throw up this quick uh Quick story here. University of Michigan survey found that boys in their senior yes. year of high school are almost two times more likely to identify as conservative than liberal. However, the girls suck because they're <laughs> more likely to consider themselves liberal than conservative. But if we can, I feel like we got, I mean, winning the males is huge. If we can just build off of that, the females will follow as they should. 
<laughs> she said it. No, I, I did. I'm allowed to say it. Repeal the 19th. I'm allowed to say uh, women should be submissive. I'm allowed to say, well, woman should never be president. Uh, I'm allowed to say all of those things. I can't have you write my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> but this is fascinating. That This is 2020 through 2023 numbers, and they're the highest that they've been for conservatives since the early 1990s. Um, and liberal identifying boys have been an ever falling trend. So that's maybe there's hope out there. Oh, I mean, there's definitely hope. Um, uh, and the thing is, even if uh, everything continues to go the way it's going and there's a totalitarian state and whatever, you know, uh, you still you still have human nature underneath all of that. And that's what you see here. Mm -hmm. um, if you go and you talk to how these kids and you realize how oppressed they have been in every way, there's no, there's nothing to rebel against anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, most of them don't know anything about religion. I don't even know what it is. Um, they don't, they don't know uh, any better, in other words. And they're just looking around, responding in a natural way to the situation, and they realize they sort of live in a dystopian nightmare. And mm -hmm. they associate being liberal with all the, the radical ideology. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And for, for the girls, I think, um, I think that there is a difference uh, between the two. Uh, sexes. I don't. I know it's controversial. Really? Uh, wow. I think that might be true. Um, but I think there's also a way the way in which they engage with social media would be my guess. Fair point. Uh, because I think that the 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 girls are um, very much they relate to social media in a different way, mm -hmm. and they intuit what the values are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be my guess. Whereas a lot of the males, the young guys, they feel they feel as if they have been hosed in many yeah. ways, and they're being told that they're bad and they're right. evil, etc. Right, right. Girls are much more emotional as well. Well, so well also, but also, the, I, I, you said that, not me, but uh, <laughs> shocking. Um, but but also, the girls are being told that they're okay. Right. Right, so the, right. you need to release your inner goddess and right. you're perfect inside and right. that's the story of every female heroine. And so no suffering for you, just be who you are, right? right. So you're gonna go along with it. Whereas if you are uh, a young male and you're told, no, actually inside you, you're terrible. Mm -hmm. You're bad, you're toxic. Mm -hmm. And oh, also if you're white, you're intrinsically evil. Right, you know? we got about 20 seconds here, Rob. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. This is a reactionary to use that phrase, yeah. response to being told that everything that's in your nature as Harrison's, I mean, Harrison's boy doing that that we mm -hmm. talked to earlier yes. is the exact same thing. He knows he's a boy, he gets upset when you call him a girl, he gets upset mm -hmm. when his natural tendencies are tampered down. Um, and in the case of many boys, when being a boy gets medicated away. Yeah. Um, that's, you would expect it. And it's, it goes back to us. I mean, we're Gen X, and I think we're one of the most conservative generations. So it's very interesting that it was the early 90s was the last time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. President Kamala Harris had uh, quite the interesting moment with an ABC News reporter. I don't think she's used to them pushing back, but the ABC News reporter was like, how do you respond to all the low polling? And her answer was amazing. Watch. There are reports that say that you have the lowest approval rating of any vice president. I'm curious how much of a role, if any, that you feel race oh, and gender play in that. Listening to this. Well, there are polls that also say I have great approval ratings. Are I there? think the point that has to be made is that are there? there are attempts to create distractions away from the accomplishments of our administration. Like what? Like what? 
<laughs> like what? Well, there are polls that show like great approval ratings. I spoiler alert, there are no such polls. None. None because she is absolutely I said earlier Women should not be president. <laughs> Probably not vice president either, to be quite honest. Did you see the way she cringed? She said this. <laughs> I did, I'm saying it all. You guys are not saying anything. They don't endorse. Their retweets do not equal endorsements, whatever everyone puts in their bio. I'm saying it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retweet a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Send me the hate mail, dear Sarah at theblaze.com. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, and we'll see you tomorrow. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.